0: Welcome to another edition of Mormon Land. I'm Dave Noyce, and I oversee our faith coverage. I'm joined again by senior religion reporter Peggy Fletcher-Stack. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Dave. In October 1969, 14 African-American players for the University of Wyoming planned to sport black armbands in a game against BYU to protest the then-Priesthood Temple ban on blacks in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That ban ended in 1978. Their coach booted them off the team hours before kickoff. The players paid a huge price for their gesture of protest. Now, more than 50 years later, the Black 14, as they have been called, are actually teaming up with an old adversary, the LDS Church, to bring 180 tons of food to people in need in nine U.S. cities, stretching from Maryland to Wyoming. Joining us today to talk about the experience, past and present, is one of the original Black 14 mel hamilton he joins us today via zoom from south carolina mel welcome to Mormonland.
1: well thank you thank you very much dave nice
0: to be with you it's so glad to have you so glad to have you here so many of our listeners may know little to nothing about the brave stance you and 13 of your teammates took 51 years ago take us back to that time and for starters where were you from originally and how did you end up at the university of wyoming
1: I uh, I was born in Charleston South Carolina at the age of three my parents moved to Wilmington North Carolina and I stayed there until I was 14. I would have loved to have stayed longer but as teenage boys, Would do, I started to uh, do some (laughs) uh, enterprising uh, efforts (laughs) with my other friends, and uh, those enterprising efforts took us into a lot of trouble. And uh, my mom and a priest worked behind my back to get me accepted into Boys Town, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Father Father Flanagan Boys Town in Omaha, Nebraska. And um, I ended up there because of, of my acting out and bad behavior and uh, went there in 1961, graduated in 1965. So Boys Town uh, really, in my formidable years, um, uh, laid the foundation really for what I'm doing this week with the food delivery deliveries. Mm-hmm. Um, Boystown gave me a sense of purpose and direction. And then I left Boystown to um, go to the University of Wyoming uh, on football scholarship. And uh, that's, of course, when everything um Hit the fan, and <laughs> and uh, uh, I uh, ended up on Sports Illustrator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what position did you play, uh, Mel? I was pulling guard.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Pulling so, guard. Yeah. So um, let's go back to the armband protest. How did that come about? Who whose idea was it? And and you know that kind of thing.
1: Well, you know, um, the Black Students Union. Uh, they were having their uh, weekly, well, monthly meeting, and we were there. And uh, they said, uh, the chancellor said, uh, You guys know who you're playing uh, for Saturday? And we said, Of course, we know the BYU. <laughs> and he said, Do you know who owns BYU? And we said, no, and of course he told us that it was uh, his word was not LDS; it was Mormon Church. He said,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, uh, we we didn't know what that meant. We had no idea what that meant, <laughs> and so we said, "Yeah." And then he said the phrase that everybody understood. He said Mormons do not allow blacks to be priests in the Mormon church. And, of course, now you guys know 1969, Carlos Smith. John Carlos and Tommy
0: Smith. Yes. At the Olympics. 68.
1: Social revolution. Get out of Vietnam. Civil rights. unrest. So here we are, 18, 19-year-old kids thrown right in the middle of this movement without even knowing it, without even being prepared for it, and all of a sudden we are called to do something. We didn't know what we were going to do, but we knew we could not Tell Carlos and Smith that their gesture was didn't mean a thing to us. We couldn't do that, so we were called upon to make our contribution to the revolution. And so we went among ourselves. We got away from the rest of the BY. I mean, uh, Black Students Alliance meeting and said guys what do you want to do and somebody said well let's wear black armbands and because black armbands is a universal symbol of sadness grief stress and so we said yeah that'd be cool let's, let's, let's do that and um, so that was how the black armbands came about Mm hmm. Um, We told the couple of guys that were married, we said, hey, you guys stay out of this because you don't know where this is going to go. You've got families. And uh, so why don't you stand on the side? And nobody wanted to do that. Everybody stayed together. All 14 of us. So that's how the the, the black arm band came about.
0: Okay, and and uh, let me ask you: Was that all the black players on the University of Wyoming at the time?
1: That was almost the whole entire black population of the school, <laughs> and but probably it, in
0: Laramie, huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, really, and uh, yes, but that was all the players on the team. Okay, mm.
0: what were you hoping to accomplish ultimately? I mean just well, with, we, with this
1: yes yeah we wanted um uh, to accomplish uh by telling uh BYU and of course we were on a national stage with the game being broadcast and and um we were we going to tell uh the mormons that uh, we didn't appreciate and we thought that it was unfair uh, that they would have such a policy. Now, initially, we thought it was a policy, which means it could have been overturned. Hmm. But we didn't realize that it took a revelation. If if the if the document was attended attended in the in the church. We didn't realize that that had to be changed by revelation, mm-hmm. and so, uh, matter of fact, we didn't even know what that meant in connection with with the church anyway. But uh, all we wanted to do is change the policy.
0: And, and we, to be clear, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. No, and to be ahead. clear, like you say, it was a, it was it was going to be on TV. And Wyoming was a powerhouse at the time, right? I mean, we're a, a, a ranked team.
1: Yes, we were ranked 12th uh, the year before we went uh, to the uh, Sugar Bowl. Hmm. Uh, and so we in, started the year out in uh, the top 20, uh, worked ourselves to number 12. And uh, what, what a theater to get our point across mm-hmm. would be playing that game that Saturday. And... Um, of course, that didn't come to fruition. Um, we uh, sent a our tri-captain, Joe Williams, who was part of the Black 14, and um, told him to tell the coach what we had intended to do. The coach told Joe to come back to us and tell him that um, he doesn't have time And we'll not discuss anything in the form of any kind of a protest. So we said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe if we all go together, we can discuss options. What it is, coach, if you do not want us to wear black armbands, what is it that you would allow us to do? Well, it didn't work out that way. He uh, told us all to go sit and we were at his office was in the field house and he told us to go sit in the bleachers and uh, he came in and you can tell there's steam coming out of his ears Mm -hmm. and no one said a word. The first word uttered was coach Eaton saying, I can save you a lot of breath." and time, you are no longer cowboy football
0: players.
1: (laughs) That was it. And someone said, but coach, he said, but coach, nothing. And he screamed us and shouted us down every time we tried to talk. And then what really angered us was that he berated us uh racially he 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 tore our dignity to shreds. He said that we could go, uh, you've lost your scholarship, so you can go on Negro or Colored Relief. He then he berated us about when he found us that we didn't know who our fathers were. Some of us were picking up um, smoke butts off the streets and smoking and um it, it it just was a tirade that 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 shattered us because who other than your father is your father when you're on a football team? Your coach. Is your father when you're on a football team? And that father chose to abandon us that day and not only abandon us but beat us morally about the heads and shoulders for about 20 minutes and just shattered our our dignity. Mm. And so that is when we went back to the Black Students Alliance and reported what had happened. And from that point on, of course, the media got a hold of it and we ended up on CBS.
2: So were you surprised by the coach? Did you have any inkling that he would be like that?
1: No, we, you know, he we knew that he was an authoritarian type of a figure. Uh, he it was a no nonsense coach. He didn't take a lot of excuses. He just wanted the job done. Uh, but we thought that behind that facade that uh, there was a soft spot f- for all of us. And we found out very quickly that that was not necessarily true. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we were we were shocked that it happened, especially when you got your, for example, my my coach uh, Wimp Hugley. He and I got along tremendously. My coach, Coach Baker, we got along great. And But they were not allowed to say anything. They were present uh, with Coach Eden, but they were not allowed to say anything. And so we looked at them and they looked to the ground because they couldn't say anything. So we uh, we just felt, wow, if they're not going to come to our defense, we are lost we you know we might as well go home that's what we felt
2: so what did you do did you drop out of school did you what did you do
1: um a lot of guys went to other schools they they, they dropped out went to other schools um, a couple of, of the guys went to black uh, uh, historically black schools. Uh, and uh, there was four of us that remained on campus: Chat Lee, myself, John Griffin, and Don Meadows. Uh, um, Chat and I had been in the military before, and so we had the GI Bill to continue. The other two guys, we did not know until recently, Uh, their money to stay in school was raised by uh, sympathetic faculty members uh, who uh, made it possible for them to continue their education.
2: So you graduated from the University of
1: Wyoming? I graduated from the University of Wyoming in education- uh and um spent the next forty eight years at in Wyoming. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes. So- after, my, after my graduation from Wyoming in 72, I went back home to North Carolina and I worked for Corning Glassworks uh in the resistor uh development department in middle management and uh, my wife was from Wyoming I mean yes from Wyoming casper never been out of the state she did not like anything at all about the south <laughs> she didn't like anything about the south the south especially the humidity and the bugs <laughs> and um, I said, well we'll get a new apartment but dear, that is not going to solve the bug's bug problems. And so we got a brand new apartment. And sure enough, sooner or later, you you found a uh, roach. And uh, there's nothing you could do to keep him out. And she just did not want her kid, her not brand new baby, by the way, Um to live in that environment. So she moved back to Casper and I was bound to determine no other man or no other person other than myself was going to raise my child. So I, um, gave my two week resignation letter and, and I followed her back to Wyoming.
2: So all that time, what were your feelings about the LDS church and Mormonism?
1: Uh,
2: did you feel resentful towards it? You know, that's
1: that's <laughs> at, at at times, you know, to be honest with you, at times you 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 say, wait a minute, if this is a religion, how can there be such a rule? And, and so that, that turns you angry. Sure. That that mm-hmm. uh, that part of it turns you angry, mm-hmm. and and then you say it's a religion. It it can't it cannot truly believe that, and um, so yes, uh, there was time that that we were angry at the religion, but we also wanted to make clear that did not mean that we hated Mormons. Now, I know it sounds confusing, but it's, it really is not. It, we were angry at the belief that blacks could not hold the priesthood. Now, whoever made that rule is no longer here. <laughs> uh, we didn't want people to believe that we hated you because you were a Mormon and therefore, we would never want you to cross our path, and 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 and, and that kind of anger—it wasn't that kind of anger.
2: Well, were you aware that it changed in 1978? Did you yes it enough to know? Yes,
1: about that? yes, and we believe that uh, our protests uh, aided in, in that that revelation. Uh, you you ask God to do something. Uh, and pray hard and long enough, uh, chances are your request will be answered.
0: I'm curious, you know, we'll we'll return to the the, the church uh, uh, relationship, but... As you see today's athletes, you know you have NBA, WNBA players, um it, including and in other sports, they they do much more visible and direct messages of protest. It's on their uniforms and they're doing it with the support usually of their coaches and their leagues. How does that make you feel given the punishments that you and your teammates encountered?
1: Well, you know what really uh, sort of saddened and, us and also gave us uh, encouragement was when the University of Missouri uh, team uh, protests and wanted a racial thing to end in, in their school and the coach said We support our athletes, Hmm. we support our black players. Mm -hmm. And the only person that did not support the black players was the president of the the university. Well, guess what? (laughs) The president of the university resigned, not the black 14, I mean, not the black players uh, the president of the university resigned because the time has uh, gotten away from him. And uh, he thought that it was still the old, uh, say as I say, not as I do type of regime. And, um, and he found out pretty quickly that uh, society had changed; mm-hmm. that they no longer consider black athletes uh, expressing their grief, and 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 um, and so uh, they won. The coach did not do what Coach Eaton should have done. That was to support his players. The coach support their players at Missouri and. Everything was okay. If we'd had that kind of support, uh, we would not be talking today. Uh, Matter of fact, if we'd had any support from any white player at the time, maybe you and I would be not talking today. Hmm. Uh, That was the most disappointing thing as well. Not one of our white uh, fellow players uh, came to our aid. as far as we know. Uh, We know that a lot of things happen behind the scenes sometimes that you'll never know. But as far as we know, uh, none of them came to our aid. Did
2: did you ever reconcile with the coach, uh, Lloyd Eaton?
1: He never reconciled with us. He uh, refused (laughs) to say that Uh, He would have done anything different. And uh, he um, uh, went to Idaho where he became a recluse. And I think he died in 1992, if I'm not mistaken.
2: But the University of Wyoming did apologize, right? And honor honor you...
1: Was it just last year? Uh, 19, uh, 2019, uh, the university did uh, uh, write a letter of an apology uh, signed by uh, a president of the university and the athletic, coach, uh, athletic uh, director. And uh, it was a week-long celebration. Uh, it was, uh, from everything I heard, it was wonderful. Uh, I Uh, said everything I heard because the, I flew into Laramie and immediately went to the hospital with pneumonia. Uh Oh, so, Uh so I stayed in the, the uh, emergency room and the hotel room for most of that time. I did end up going to the game in a wheelchair uh it that it, i really think it was covid because i could not walk I, <laughs> wow it was unbelievable uh, and um, so anyway I, I i did go to the game on that saturday and uh they wheeled me on the field uh, when i was announced but uh my son wheeled me on the field and um but yes i missed most of the celebration
2: How did you feel about them apologizing after all these years? How did that make you feel?
1: I was wishing you wouldn't ask that. (laughs) (laughs) That That's one question I was wishing you wouldn't ask. Um, Feelings. Um, The president that signed the letter of apology had been fired before that letter was written. Hmm. But she was still on campus filling the, the, the rest of her term. And so we had a president who was leaving that was saying, I'm sorry. However, we had never had a standing president, a sitting president to say, I'm sorry. Hmm. So I'm mixed motion. I want the board of directors that president or the president of the university to say to me, Mel, I'm sorry, the way you were treated in 1969 and I haven't had that yet. (laughs) Uh, So it was a mixed blessing. It was a great feeling. Uh, That someone, regardless of the situation, recognized that we needed an apology. And at the same time, it wasn't coming from where it should be coming from.
0: So, Mel, tell us how you connected with Latter-day Saint, LDS Church, and and some of its top leaders.
1: You know, I, I... Went to high school with um, in Boystown with uh, Mormons, uh, and that that was never a problem. I've always been a Catholic, born and raised, and um, that that had never been a problem. I uh, got in, involved with the Mormons. Uh, When in 1972, I was invited to uh, by the the Mormon student body uh, to come down to the University of Wyoming to to talk to them, to lecture. And I accepted that eagerly because, as I said earlier, there was no problem with me and, and Mormon people. And so when I got down there, it, I tears came to my eyes because they had made black armbands giving those armbands out to the people who were going to the game that Saturday. And here it, to me, it, it was a complete turnaround. The Mormons were inviting me and making black armbands to be worn. I gave my speech that night with, like I said, almost tears in my eyes, uh, trying to explain what I believe to be true, and that there was got to been a misunderstanding between. Blacks Could Not Be Priests, and the juxtaposition of you making black armbands for the game this week. There's there's a disconnect somewhere. And so it was a happy uh, talk. It was a happy meeting. Uh, I hope by that that I uh, convince a lot of people that I loved you because you simply are a human being and I don't care what your religion is. Uh, I love you. And that was my first really solid connection as a group with, with the Mormon religion.
0: And you came out to Salt Lake City, um, I'm not sure when, but in the last several years, right? And, we're, and met with some
1: top leaders. That was with uh, 2018, 2019, excuse me, a mm-hmm. uh, couple of weeks after the Wyoming celebration. Uh, we were, my wife and I were invited uh, with my son, who, by the way, is a Mormon, and his wife, we were invited uh, for a week, uh, and the conference, uh, the conference um, mm-hmm uh that year and uh it was uh it was amazing it was um very, very inter- uh, educational uh i did not know anything about the welfare square i don't know if that's uh the correct terminology mm-hmm. i did not know about how how much food they gave to other countries and different venues uh I did not know quite a bit about the Mormon church. I didn't even know that the Mormon helped the Catholics. Uh and uh which by the way, we gave food to Catholic charities yesterday in Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh so uh I, I didn't know a lot of things until they invited me up in 2019. And from that connection, uh, we found out that my wife uh, is a relative of uh, one of their hierarchies, Brigham Young, and so <laughs> that that blew me off of my stool. I'm I'm telling you, um, <laughs> and, and, it, and it, uh, what the irony, the irony, uh, not only of that, and but the irony that my son is a high priest in in the the Mormon church now. Uh, So little did I realize in 1969 that I was fighting for my son.
0: I was fighting
1: for my relatives of my wife. I had no idea, of course, uh, of of these things uh, would happen. Uh, I had no idea that my son would become a Mormon. He went to Utah State, by the way, graduated from Utah State and uh, met a uh, Mormon girl and they got married and uh, have five wonderful, excuse me, four wonderful grandkids. Mm. And uh, my wife um, grew up all her life, uh, born and raised in Wyoming, uh, uh, and found out, uh, through the, um, uh, the tracking, uh, of the, of the Mormon church found out that she indeed is a cousin to Brim Young. Hmm. Wow. So the, the irony of that.
2: How'd you feel when your son joined the church?
1: Oh, you know, uh, a lot of people ask that question, and I can understand why. But I, <clears throat> I'm a Catholic. I, <laughs> you know, I I say that with pride, and and to me that means that I'm going to love you whether you're Catholic or, or Protestant. It doesn't matter, um, and and it didn't matter to me uh, that he became a Mormon, because once again, I was fighting a policy. I wasn't fighting the whole religion, just a policy. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was more uh, worried about telling me than I was about hearing it. And um, <laughs> and so he finally got the nerve to tell me. And, and I said, well, son, I said, what have I been fighting for? <laughs> I said, all these years I've been fighting fighting for just what you have done. You have gone into the Mormon religion. I have fought that you would have the same playing field as anybody else. And what it's beautiful to know that I was fighting for a personal reason. And sure, there it was. It, my personal reason Um, my son could now be on the same plane field as anyone else. So tell us about how the, um,
0: the partnership came about for this, uh, massive uh, effort to feed uh, people in need in so many places.
1: Well, the black 14, we, um, we don't want to be known just as 14 black guys that got kicked off the university of Wyoming, uh, probably number one ranking team of the year. We, we, we didn't want to be known as that. We wanted, um, uh, we wanted our legacy to say more than, than that. And so we got together a uh, couple of years before our celebration and said you know what do we want to do let's 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 do something that's meaningful and we came up with the uh black 14 uh, uh i'm having an old person's uh, memory lapse here uh, uh, black 14 um uh, a program to, to aid the poor, to feed the hungry. And um, we decided that uh, we would d- join with the University of Wyoming, who also had some food insecurities with uh, students who could not go home on the holidays Uh, So that pantry needed to be supplied as well as other pantries uh, throughout the country. And so we teamed up with the University of Wyoming on the Mind, Body and Soul Initiative, is what we call it, the Mind, Body and Soul Initiative, which, of course, is to feed and eventually to provide Wi-Fi to those rural areas that could not uh, get Wi-Fi connections uh, because we know COVID is turning everything into a uh, Zoom uh, 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 type teaching uh, style. And so what about those kids on the reservation? What about those kids that are in those real deep wooded rural areas that could not get Wi-Fi. And we want to be able to help them a little bit to to provide Wi-Fi for those type of situations and the food insecurities. So that's how uh, I decided to, when I was in in, in um, Salt Lake to the conference, I met the, uh, Elder Gifford Nielsen, and you probably remember Gifford uh, Mm -hmm. Heisman Trophy winner uh, from BYU. And uh, he and I talked uh, a little bit about football and then got serious about uh, I would like to write a proposal to uh, feed some people. And he said, well, write me a proposal. Do exactly that. Write me a proposal. And so that was that was it. As uh, soon as I hung up, I got on the typewriter and did a stock type <laughs> I got on the computer. <laughs> my and, kids don't and, know what that and, is, but I, yeah, we
0: do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I got on the computer and I wrote the, the proposal in one night and um, had my wife proof it in uh sent it off to Elder Nielsen, and, uh, and he said, Melvin, he said, that is exactly the kind of thing that we would like to take part of. And uh, let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can put together. And he came back and said, okay, it's, it's a done deal. Uh, why don't you tell me where you guys would like the food to go to and uh, we got together the Black 14 and and uh, and decided on the nine locations that we did decide on. And the reason there's nine locations because there's nine of us who are still in the game. Hmm. Uh, uh, two of the the living uh, eleven of us decided not to participate in any way or form, even the celebration. They did not. uh, They were so angry still that they did not participate. Hmm. So that's how we got nine delivery spots, because nine of us still are in the game.
2: Do you expect to continue this partnership with the LDS Church in the future? Are you going to do more?
1: I tell you, I do not personally intend to break off the relationship. (laughs) <laughs> I hope that we can do a lot more things together. I am a Christian and I do know that the Lord has his hands in this. I know that the Lord is guiding this. And and I I know that that doesn't mean it's going to quit tomorrow. I think that we are we are connected uh, from now on. And I hope that that is the truth and I hope that uh, we do great things together.
0: Well, Mel Hamilton, it's been a delight talking to you. Thank, Thanks for joining us today.
1: Well, thanks for having me. And um, I uh, Don't know if Utah could beat BYU this year, but. uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they will be playing this year, it sounds like. So uh, anyway. (laughs) Well, that's that's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And stay safe, okay?
1: Okay. You guys too. Thanks for talking. Okay.
0: And our thanks to Peggy Fletcher Stack. Always a pleasure. And to our producer, Chris Samuels. We remind our listeners that. They can keep up on all the happenings in and about the church by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter. Just go to sltrib.com to sign up, and we'll talk again next time on Mormon Land.